0: Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. Super excited to have you guys here today, and I'm excited to bring our guest. But before I bring her on, I want to give a quick shout out to Brandon, one of our Rapid Deploy students. He has taken massive action and has closed on his first deal. Congratulations, man. And not only that, but he's also getting ready for his next deal. I can't believe it, and I am so excited for him He's the shining example of those who are ready for and perfect for this program. And if you are ready to take action and you're tired of making excuses for 2019, make sure you check out our page, www.ActiveDutyPassiveIncome.com, and sign up for the waiting list for Rapid Deploy. Because when we reopen it again, we are only going to open it for a small window of, of time again. And we're taking those that are ready, that are committed, and are going to take action and get themselves started. Do not miss this opportunity and now let's kick the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. I'm so excited to have one of my new besties on. And uh, honestly, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, she kind of beat me up here and forced me to bring her on too, so that's cool. It's all good, (laughs) it's all good. But Trina Paceno, she's from California and she's a property manager, a real estate investor, and she's a former Navy spouse. What's going on?
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Not Navy. I keep Army. saying Navy, but Army. Yeah. The other side. The the side yeah, is nice. not as good. So, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> but all good. Well, what's going on, Trina? How you doing?
1: Doing great. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous up here in California. Finally, it's been raining nonstop for like oh, the past month, it feels. But yeah, the okay. fog is lifting. So
0: Fog is lifting. That's good. That's good. I'll, I'm, I would say I'm in uh, cold Norfolk, Virginia, but I'm actually in sunny uh, Florida right now, so it's not as bad. Italy, <laughs> but all right, all good.
1: Super jealous.
0: But yeah, but yeah, man. So uh, so, what's been going on? So for those of you who don't know, Trina, she's an active member of Rod Khalif's, you know, power group. We uh, we met up at um, the one in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Atlanta in November or some some point, and we met up again in Tampa. Uh, she constantly goes. She is super super awesome person. You guys going to meet her uh, in this interview? And I can't wait, but can you tell us a little background about yourself and how you got started in real estate investing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I actually, my, my family has a bunch of single family homes. Um, when my ex and I, we separated from the military and moved back to California. Um, they asked me to help out with, you know, the management of some of those, I've always been one of those people that can kind of mold and groove to whatever's going on. If there's a skill set you need to earn, I'm usually good at that. So um, if anyone knows me, they know that I'm definitely the person that doesn't want to do anything until I know everything about it. So I'm just like super shy on pulling the trigger. Um, So my stepdad and I, we actually went to um, California Apartment Owners Association has a program for a designation. It's a California residential management certified. So we went and did that. It was pretty, um, it was pretty, like I had to be dedicated to do it because it was over like a four month period. It was every Thursday, you know, like until nine o'clock at night and it was over like an hour and a half away. So, um, just going through that program and seeing like, you know, the kinds of things that you need for a baseline education on management, that was awesome. But I also realized that my family's properties, they're, they're what we call stable, (laughs) um, so I'm like, wow, if this property turns over once every six years, I'm probably not going to get much experience with that. So um, I actually started an internship with Keller Williams out here in Antioch. And they gave me the opportunity to kind of learn a little bit of the behind the scenes in the real estate world. And um, from there, I was just telling anyone and everyone that i Want to be in property management. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in property management. And of course, people are like, you're crazy. And no one wants to be in property management. Right. Yeah. But um, <laughs> after my internship period was over, uh, one of the individuals that worked in that office knew of someone who was hiring a property manager at the time. And that's how I got into uh, WR Properties with Wesley Olson. Um, he started that company, he started quite a few companies before, um, real estate franchises also. but. Um, he gave me my opportunity for high volume, which I was super grateful for. And again, I'm that person that I want to know everything about something. So I really just dove into the experience, dove into uh, building relationships with attorneys, um, other realtors, just seeing how things work in my area and just educating myself. So
0: Nice. Yeah. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. And and honestly, there's nothing wrong with being shy and wanting to know everything that there is to know about a space before you get into it. Yeah. I'm honest with you, it's probably better because I'm more of those that guy that just, you know, fire, shoot, aim. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And really, it's like, uh, you know, sometimes I run into some issues and it's is better to plan. I, I was just listening to something that Rod sent actually in an email talking about planning and how yeah. important it is to really understand what. And and that's that is the same philosophy that you get in the military, right? You got to understand your plan all the way through which right. makes sense. So, exactly. so, and so.
1: and learning how to reach out for those things that you're not 100% in. Again, right. my attorneys are my BFFs, so
0: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So that's awesome. That is awesome. So can you walk us through your first deal? Like what what was that experience like? And uh yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually I'm actually in my first deal right now. Oh, no, all right. Yeah. So again, I, I don't really like to claim like my family's properties. They they kind of built that for us and everything. But,
0: that makes um, sense. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: No, so our um we're actually in a partnership. We're in contract on eighty two units right now in Virginia and it's still I know, I know we just nice. got the approval, so now I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> But but yeah, it was a lot of lessons learned, and um, honestly, my piece of the partnership is is very specific to my experience, which I'm very grateful for, and um, that one's a heavy D-class reposition, so it's going to be, it's one of those ones that excites me, because um, that's a lot of my experience in the industry right now, is D and C-class reposition, so just being able to flex those muscles in another space is really exciting, working with attorneys from another space, um, I'm really excited to take my concepts I've, I've implied over here and see, um, you know, how I can make them make them work for me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, for a first deal to do take on 82 units, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast right now, they wonder 82 units like what the heck. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the multifamily world. Right. I mean, you look for these bigger deals. Because they cash flow really nice, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, especially the the heavy repositions, and that was one of the things that I've been learning. Um, so I've been, as you mentioned, involved in uh, Rod Cleef's Warrior Program. I signed up back in April of this last year. It was that 2017 or 2018, and um, ever since then, you know, we kind of did the the cardinal <laughs> the cardinal thing of hunting in our backyard, and I feel like we did yeah. that a little bit too long because I'm in California. It's, Yo, Very
0: man,
1: no. out here.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so after doing that for quite some time, it really helped me fine-tune the, the skills that you need for you know finding a deal, being able to back the napkin it really quickly, um, seeing what's worth your while, what's being shopped around, um, how fast you have to move on getting an LOI in versus if you just sit on it, you're in a backup position. That was one of my, my uh, unfortunate experiences is getting put in backup positions on LOIs. Um, right very frustrating. (laughs) Can
0: you, can you break down what exactly is an LOI and why is that important?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, LOI is a letter of intent. So it's essentially like your beginning conversation that you're having with either a broker or a seller. Usually it happens with brokers. Um, you're just putting out your terms of what, what you would like to purchase the property for. Um, it's, it's the step before going into contract, and it's if they're interested in entertaining it. With commercial purchases, usually you have a lot more um, pieces to look at and look into, and it's, a, it's not exactly black and white like an appraisal on a single-family home. It's going to be different than an appraisal on a commercial property. So you just have so many different pieces, and LOIs, what you want to get out there to the broker – just show them that you're serious and that this is what you want to do. And if they're, if they're interested in entertaining those terms, that's where you're going to go from there.
0: All right. Awesome. Thank you. And, uh, and this is a lot of, there's guys, there's a lot of terminology when it comes to the multifamily world too. And I'm still learning some of it. So don't get confused by it. This is something again, just like Trina said, you know, educate yourself, immerse yourself in it and you know, you can make this happen. Um, and Trina, I want to break down something else that you said. So you mentioned something about D-class and C-class repositions. Yeah. Can you kind of explain to us a little bit behind what that is and what it entails.
1: Absolutely. Um, so every property, especially in the commercial space, has a, a class that we generally assign to it. Um, it's defined by the neighborhood. Um, it's also defined by the quality of the home, the stability of the property, Um, so in those a little bit more challenging neighborhoods, you'll usually see some, some, uh, well positioned properties in the C classes still. Um, but because maybe the neighborhood is bringing it down a little bit, um, D class is, is those, you know, there's maybe drugs, you know, gangs, um, Crime. Right.
0: So, uh, like, yeah. we're talking the ghetto, right? I mean,
1: yeah, the guy. Yeah, I want to say it, but. the pro-
0: the projects. Ah, man, it's all good, yeah. you know. We're it's all people hood. here. Everyone understands it is the hood, you know. Hood.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, sometimes it's not even because it's the hood. Maybe it's because it's been you know deferred maintenance hasn't been taken care of for quite some time, and you you have a growing neighborhood that you can easily reposition that property just with upkeep and. Quality of tenancies, making sure that someone's enforcing their lease. So,
0: okay, awesome. Okay, cool. So that sounds like a very heavy project, right? Turning it into something that's that's a little bit better um, than what it is. And you, so you mentioned about the cash flow potential. There is also greater, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, usually those are the projects that you need to have a better set of um, perspective on reality versus. You know, where you want to take it. Um, In a reposition like that, there are so many more factors that you have to take into consideration. It's not just a simple value add, it's not like you could just go in there and upgrade the countertops and the carpet and call it a day. Um, You have more things to consider, like security of the property, if you're going to fence the area, um, if you need to bring in, um, you know, cooperations with law enforcement. Um, honestly, we have part of our partnership. And this is the reason why I'm so excited about it is our partnership is made up of two general contractors, an attorney, a key principal who's heavily invested in the area. Um, Also, we have uh, an individual who has, you know, who has connections with some individuals in the city. So um, when it comes to the challenges that you're going to face in a project like this, you really need to have your pieces in place to, to be successful. You can't Again, you can't just go in and say I'm going to evict 20 percent of the apartment complex and then hope for the best. <laughs>
0: right, we <laughs> exactly. have a plan. For
1: this. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you, uh, so this is definitely something I think you know having that property manager mm-hmm. mindset too also really helps, and I think that that makes you a really cr- critical part of the team as well, Trina. You know, I mean, this is uh, something, and I really would like to dive into some of the property property management. Aspects yeah. of this thing uh, too, but before I do, you mentioned another term that I wanted to uh, want to dissect real quick: key principle. Mm-hmm. That I don't think many people have heard that. Yeah.
1: So we actually we we've, we've put together. Um, he's the individual who secured this contract. He's the one who's been working and slaving since months before I ever came into the picture. To. Um, find out how it pencils, get that relationship with that broker at the relationship with the owner, the relationship with the bank. We're getting um, pretty amazing terms with the bank because he found the program that's going to get us, um, you know, a better loan to value, um, which, which re- it translates to your bottom line, like immediately. Right. So um, the key principle, he's the one who's essentially running the show. You can't have too many bosses, you know, you need to have someone who's, you know, got an established chain of command. So he's, he's the top, top guy. Top,
0: top dog. Okay. Are there there any requirements that the key principal needs to have at all? Or is this just someone, anyone who can run the show?
1: Yeah. It really just depends on your partnership. It depends on who wants to take that position. Um, I would definitely look for someone who's closed transactions similarly before. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is when they're going into a very minor partnership, maybe it's like you and your buddy, you're the key principal. You got to You got to show up like that. You know, it's, it's right. business. Yeah.
0: All right. Absolutely. You gotta, gotta wear your big boy or big girl pants that night.
1: Exactly. We can like you tomorrow, but it's business today.
0: Thanks. <laughs> I like that. Thanks. Okay, cool. Sweet deal. So can we go into some of the property management, you know, things now? I mean, Maybe maybe we just start with um, some of your experience in the residential field and then maybe how that's translated to, you know, going into this multifamily world, maybe some of the differences and whatnot.
1: Absolutely. So um, a majority of my experience for quite some time had been in uh, management of single family homes, which if anyone in property management understands, that's usually like nails on a chalkboard because... <laughs> uh as many as many times as it's difficult to manage tenancies, it's the ownership that you really need to have. You know your your customer service gloves on for um, the law is the law when it comes to tenancies and dealing with tenant issues is what it is in property management. But dealing, helping to educate a single family homeowner who maybe can't afford that next mortgage payment if the rent is late is one of the things that you you really need to, like I said, wear your customer service gloves with. Um, so. It was a natural transition. We, we built relationships with a bunch of, um, you know, individuals in the real estate space out here. And one of those relationships turned into a very good partnership. Um, I had a group of individuals who were looking to buy up a bunch of fourplexes in a row. And I think the total of them was like near 40, 40 of them. Wow. But they needed. So going from single family into fourplexes. that's not a very difficult transition. Um, I actually pulled my staff. From major apartment complexes. So while I have the background in single family pretty heavily, they have the background in high volume apartment complexes. Okay. So being in the middle on our our experience level was awesome because it's that it's that minor transition that actually has a little bit of meat on the bones still. Um, it's very difficult to get into the, the hundred plus unit space unless you've been doing the hundred plus units in management. Yeah. So it was a nice transition into multi for, for management and with, with those partnerships and those individual purchases, that's where we actually uh, really got a lot of experience in the repositioning. And um, it it really is just the management side of it is proper notifications to the residents, excellent communication when it comes to um, time sensitive items or legal sensitive items Um, having that customer service aspect for taking on new tenancies that maybe were used to a out of area owner that was hands off. And we're very hands on. Um, in that particular neighborhood, it was D class. It was definitely D class. It was notorious for being on the news for shootings and murders and stuff. Wow. Yeah. They had actually devised an HOA that had, um, the shop cams um, put up on poles that were constantly getting vandalized. And I mean, it was just not a great area. And for management, We know it's very labor intensive if you're constantly there overcoming issues. So one of the things that was successful about that transition was that we were able to get so many units all in one spot at a time. Um, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, if we only had four, I wouldn't have been able to turn them around like I did. Because you can't control your neighbors. You can only control what you actually own. So you need a large enough footprint of properties to actually make a change um, so yeah, no. In in property management, I really loved that transition into multi, and it helped me see what a business model should be when you're taking on certain challenges.
0: Wow, that's mm-hmm. ah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and having that experience too is definitely going to make you successful. So, oh, man, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any? Uh, I've heard now, right, that there is like this rule of thumb where you might want to have an on-site property manager versus using an off-site property manager for some for instances. Okay. Is there is there such a rule? Is that true? Is it you know good? Or what is that rule of thumb maybe for the amount of doors that you should have?
1: Yeah. So in California it's pretty specific. Um, it, anything over 16 units, you have to have a serviceable a serviceable party on site. Um, so that could even just be like a resident receiving a concession. There are labor laws surrounding that too. So definitely with whatever state you're in, you're going to want to familiarize yourself with, um, your fair housing employment attorneys. You should just always have one anyways, but, um, make sure that, cause it, it can be area specific, but in California, 16 and over you need to have a serviceable party. Um, I think it's like 120 units and over, you need to have like a maintenance person full time. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: Awesome. All right, cool. So there are some state specific laws governing that too. So that's definitely something. Now, is it something that is always an option to you? Well, I guess it's always an option, right? I mean, you can always have someone on site if you got like a 15 or 20 unit. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and again, in those D-class areas, for example, this, this eighty. something unit deal that we're in. Um, one of the main things that we're changing is we're paying the cost of making sure that we have someone on site at least three days a week. Um, we're also having one of the units um, transition to have like local law enforcement to set up a hub station there just to be present. Um, a few miles down the road, there's um, a legitimate like government housing complex. So, I mean, there's just so much that they're doing in this area already just as far as being present. So having that availability for them, they're actually really grateful for it. Um, that was a plug that we got from the Cleef program with that. Uh, I think Maureen Miles does that too. So.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I've heard some awesome stories. I was literally just thinking about that too. Some yeah. awesome stories of Maureen. I remember that, uh, that um, story about her and the dog training, right? Yes. Yeah, like the drug sniffing training.
1: Yes. That's awesome.
0: That I great.
1: love hearing creativity because – like, again, from the management perspective, I could literally picture how that's going down. And its I'd love to be able to do stuff like that on my projects and see what works.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. For, for those of you who don't, have, don't know that story, um, so Maureen my- Miles, right, is her last name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, Maureen Miles. She is this awesome investor. I think she's got uh, a few thousand doors thousand, now, yeah. right? And, yeah. um, and so one of the things, she was having an issue with uh, – I guess these drug transactions that just kept happening on our property and she was trying to find the source of it, but she decided, you know what, I'm going to deal with the local law enforcement. She started posting flyers on the doors saying that she was going to have drug testing at such and such a week for this amount of time and just to, to tell everyone just disregard. Right.
1: And, yeah. Uh, like, FYI. <laughs> yeah.
0: And the drugs just left. Right. They were gone. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to deal with this. We're going to do draw do, uh, dog testing at this property. Forget yeah. that. That's awesome. So creative, man. So creative. So keep that in mind for any of you guys who maybe own a bunch of units out there thinking about some creative strategies. Absolutely. That's definitely one. Okay, great. Awesome. So um, we constantly get the question, and and again, this is kind of going back into the single family realm or residential realm, but we constantly get the question, should I manage my property myself or should I outsource to a property manager? Do you have any idea or advice or anything on that?
1: Yeah. um, Honestly, I think it really comes down to you as an individual, what your circumstances are. If your properties are within an hour drive where you physically are, I think that that could be a great, great thing to take on. There's definitely a pride of ownership. There's definitely a lot of lessons to be learned as the hands-on investor. Um, If you're not that guy or girl and you're just, you know, hey, I I just don't want to worry about it. You need a third party. Don't leave it to, you know, hoping and praying that the rents are coming in on time. Don't leave it to someone that maybe doesn't have that skill set. You want a professional. Um, it also is, it should be determined based off of your locality. If you're experiencing, um, you know, heavy enforcement with Section 8 in that area, if that's like your market. Um, if you're experiencing, you know, we recently just had a bill um, on our on our ballot for potential statewide rent control, um, you know, if you're experiencing any of those things, you're definitely going to want to work with someone who's worked with those programs before. Right. Um, Cause you don't want to learn the hard way. There's no reason in this day and age to learn the hard way. Um, there's enough people out there telling their stories. There's enough lessons that have already been learned. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm the girl who my whole life had to learn the hard way until, <laughs>
0: <Hey>. <laughs> until
1: I was just over it. <laughs> yeah. So definitely um, there's those circumstances to take into consideration.
0: That's a very, very fair, and you're absolutely right. It's 2019. There's too much information out there. Too much information Mm -hmm. out there. There's some bad information now, which is why you know you need to. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you definitely don't need to be learning the hard way at all. Just leverage Mm -hmm. other people's advice. That's kind of why I come from the you know the background of let someone else manage it, let someone else deal with it. I don't have the time, I don't have the patience. I don't mind doing it. I actually do manage the house that's downstairs from me, but mm. that's because it's connected to my my building and I see it every single day. Other right. that, just outsource it. But hey, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Yeah. You no know what,
1: Rod, Rod Yeah, Rod Cleef and pretty much every successful person that I know who buys and acquires out of state, they're saying, you know, if you're in acquisitions mode, let someone else handle the stress. I think he literally says, like, you don't want to be worrying about toilets when you're trying to, you know, get LOI accepted. So, yeah, just uh, just remembering that you are one person. There's so many people, the overachievers in the world, that's myself included. Um, (laughs) There's so many people who just want to have a hand on everything. Um, But there's no reason to not outsource the, you know, the tasks that you can and there's literally a market out there for it.
0: So, exactly. And if you're one of those overachievers, hey, there's money to be had. So, you know what? There's nothing wrong with it. Go out there exactly. and get it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much, Trina. So much wisdom. We really appreciate your time here and uh, coming on this podcast. Even if you did bully me into it, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no like, it's all good. I, I think it went the other way around. I think I bullied you. <laughs> I'll, I'll own that. I'll own that. <laughs> but, uh, but it's all good. Um, I've got three last questions take you a our bonus round here. So our listeners can get to know you a little more, but, um, what is your favorite book?
1: Ah, you know what? I was thinking about that. And I'm like, I really don't have a favorite book. Um, but I do have some that are on my, my to-do list as far as like hitting hard, but they've really influenced me. Okay. Um, it, well, I can't say the name of one of them cause this is, Probably needing to not have swear words in it, but it's uh, "unf yourself" uh, by John Bishop. Um, it's mostly just about getting out of your own way. Um, there's a really good one. <laughs> there's a really good one by Rachel Hollis uh, called "Girls Stop Apologizing." Uh, mostly talking about like embracing your goals, giving yourself permission for dreaming for success. I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, I'm not worthy yet because I haven't done this, this, and this." Mm-hmm. No, no. Get out of your own way. Yeah. Um, And then, honestly, the subtle art of not giving a F. Yeah.
0: That is a good one. (laughs) I have read a little bit of that one. That is a good one.
1: Yeah. Well, it really dives into um, living within reality, Uh, just seeing that, you know, if you don't have those experiences to dial back into, you're really not going to grow very much. You can't keep pretending that, you know, it's all gravy because it's not. There's reality in there. Be honest with yourself.
0: Very true. Very, very true. Wow, man. All right. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Solid book choices. I love it. I'm sure our audience is going to love that too. Um, Can you tell us uh, who your favorite hero is and why?
1: This is going to sound cheesy as all hell, Um, but my mom. All right. (laughs) It's a classic. It's a classic. My mom. She's been the hardest worker i mean raised me and my brother on section eight you know got two college degrees in a man's field she has a aviation degrees uh yeah raised us yeah it's it's been it's been a long road for her and you know she's she's an amazing human stayed super sweet the whole time i don't know how
0: (laughs) man man, that's awesome and she's gotta be super powerful because i know the kind of woman you are so that's that's awesome, man. I got to meet her one day. So yeah. bring her to the next conference.
1: <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> All right.
0: Good. Awesome. So last question. Uh, what three nuggets do you have of wisdom that you, you've already given us plenty, right? But if you had to keep it to three for those okay. who are just getting started, right, what would you, what would you offer them? Uh,
1: my first thing, and I tell this to anyone who will listen, is find out what you're good at and just do that more. Be amazing at it. Uh, Fine tune those skills. Um, once you found what you're good at, embrace the fact that you're good at it. Um, we're always learning. There's rich people everywhere who seem to be masters in someone's eyes, but they're still learning too. Um, I think too many people are afraid to pull the trigger because they're not there yet mm. and that's, that's get out of your own way. Um, another thing is, you know, be ready to jump, prepare yourself for opportunities cause they're going to start slapping you in the face as soon as you've prepared yourself, you can actually pull the trigger on those. So that's what it's all about is uh, pulling the trigger on success. All right. Outstanding.
0: All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Trina. We really appreciate it. We appreciate your time. Um, Mm -hmm. This has been a treat. And uh, what's uh, what's next? What's going on?
1: Uh, Just going to keep that snowball rolling downhill. I mean, um, once this one closes, we have another 55 potentially behind it. We have another
0: 26
1: we're looking at align yourself with people who can be that piece of the puzzle that you need to get things to close Uh, make sure that I used to say like it's my job to convince everyone not to buy something and I'm really good at my job but lately you know if you can find things with pencil pull that trigger
0: pull that trigger that's it absolutely Trina that's awesome girl how can our uh, how can our guests get in contact with you
1: um, email, I hate to say it, I'm on Facebook, hit me on Facebook,
0: All right. <laughs> um,
1: cool. I'm not like ridiculously active with social media, but there's definitely, um, it's definitely something that in this day and age you have to stay on top of. So yeah, Trina Piceno
0: All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. There'll be links to, uh, to where she's at in the show notes page and all her favorite books. So you can go get a, get a copy of that. And, uh, thanks again, Trina. Appreciate
1: Piceno. it. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you so much, Trina, for all the amazing advice. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in today. Hope you guys are able to take a lot of value and wisdom out of that because there was so much given. Um, hey, if you're ready to take action, make sure you check out our website, www.activedutypassiveincome.com and get started. Either check out our Start the Spark forum where you can go and – network with other amazing folks that are like you that are hungry and and, uh, looking for information on how to get started or have started and are looking for ways to grow also if you are committed and you are not letting 2019 get in your way and you're going to take action make sure that you sign up for our rapid deploy program that's opening up again in march we are only opening it up for a limited time like i said so make sure that you do not miss that boat all right Hope you guys are doing great. Kick today in the face.